when people tell me, oh, that was a really good episode. And I'm like, yeah, it was. I get as excited about it as anyone else does. I feel like it's something that's really bigger than me. Oh, yes, I agree. I know we always say we love this conversation. It was so fun. It was so interesting. But, I mean, we mean it, every one of them. They do just sort of have a life of their own, don't they? You're listening to The Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty-gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Well, we've made it. We have made it to 100 episodes 100 episodes of 100 episodes of the good dirt podcast you know it's so funny too because we've been talking about it for a while because we're like how are we going to commemorate it it's been about two and a half years since we started this Mm -hmm. how did we even think of starting a podcast i mean what gave us the idea oh i know what gave us the idea yeah i remember (laughs) (laughs) We had a Kickstarter campaign Mm -hmm. when we started Lady Farmer, and it was really exciting. We reached our goal within the first few days, I think. Yeah. And so when you do that, then you have to have a stretch goal because you want to get more money to do all the things you want to do. And one of our stretch goals, because we are crazy, was to make a podcast (laughs) casual. We just said, yeah, we'll do a podcast. If if we reach this goal... (laughs) We'll do a podcast. But the Kickstarter was five years ago. Yes. So it took us a few couple of years to get to the podcast. But that was the inception. Yeah. You know? And I remember, you know, one day you just said, okay, we're doing it. And here, mom, here's your mic and here's your cord and <laughs> we're going to do it. And, oh, I remember the, the first episode we recorded or tried to record, I set up in the barn and... We made this little booth, and it was covered with blankets and stuff Mm -hmm. to try to make a little sound booth thing. It was very funny. So I was sitting into this kind of little blanket. Yeah, I was, like, really stressing about the sound. I thought things had to be soundproof. I have now come to find anyone listening who's interested in podcasting. It doesn't have to be soundproof. We're literally sitting here on the porch. You just have to have a good mic that doesn't pick up a ton of background noise. Yeah. It has to be relatively quiet. But I was like, do I need to pad my walls? I overthought that. Well, that was funny. I was sitting in that little homemade sound booth thing out in the barn. And guess what? The internet didn't even work out there. So the first attempt at our first episode was actually a fail. We had to do it over again. That's so weird that the internet didn't work. (laughs) 
It's been a common thread the whole time, y'all. So anyway, we actually got on a call the other day with someone who had listened to the podcast. And on the call, we also made a comment. Maybe we should just stop talking about it because we were like, sorry, the internet's a little. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was just listening to your podcast. And you guys mentioned that. And I was like, oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, it's been a major thing. It's a third character. It's a third character. It's a third character. And well, okay, you know, we live in a rural area. And, you know, I have learned that the Internet problem in, you know, rural America is real, especially for people that are trying to, you know, run a business and do things. Super real. Especially for children in a pandemic when that happened who had to go to online school and there literally wasn't Internet for them to go to school. Yeah. It's it's a thing. Y'all listen to our episode with Sherry Powell. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, anyway, what are some early memories you have about early podcast episodes, Emma? Well, shout out to Charlotte Henderson. I remember those first few episodes we recorded at her house. Yeah, we had to go down the road. Because her apartment, her little apartment had better internet than ours did. She also lives on a farm. So I very vividly remember recording those conversations with Amy and Joy, two Mm -hmm. very good friends of ours, still Two of my favorite episodes. And the third of that first batch was, oh, also Rachel. Yeah, we went in a coffee shop. Yeah, we recorded that one live with Rachel. And that was that was also an adventure. On location, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, we tried to rent a little room. And then in the middle of the podcast, somebody came in and said they had the room reserved. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. And I do, I do remember, I mean, y'all should go back and listen to them, but the audio quality was so different than it is now. I mean, well, I hope. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope it's better. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a learning curve. And admittedly, we just, we really didn't know what we were doing in the beginning. We just started doing it. We've been learning as we've been moving along, making changes we've gotten some new equipment along the way uh, we've made adjustments so, yeah, so that's all the technical stuff but I really think what's so cool about it is how much of it just sort of like happens on its own and just how we're able to find such cool people such cool people find us and the interviews themselves the conversations as they happen that's just I know. the best most natural thing and so when people tell me oh that was a really good episode and I'm like, yeah, it was. I don't know. I just, I get as excited about it as anyone else does. It's so cool. I feel like it's something that's really bigger than me. Oh, yes, I agree. And the conversations are just almost always just great. I know we always say we love this conversation. <laughs> it was so fun. It was so interesting. But I mean, we mean it. Every one of them. They do just sort of have a life of their own, don't they? Oh, completely. So that's been just a real easy thing about it is getting the people to interview. We reach out to some. A lot of them reach out to us. More and more are reaching out to us, which is very exciting. I love to see who turns up and says they'd like to be on the good dirt. I love that. Yeah. So when you call and you leave us your voicemail telling us about you and telling us about the good dirt and so living, you can also let us know if you want to be on the podcast. Yes. You can tell us anything on our voicemail. Right. And you don't have to have written a book or yeah, live on a farm or if you have something you want to talk about that has to do with slow living, sustainable living, regenerative living, we would love to talk to you. So if you would like to call us and leave a voicemail at 443-459-1950, the voicemail box is always open and we'd love to hear from you. Yes, we really, really 
want to hear from you, please do call. We love it. Oh, yeah. First of all, what are we doing for this 100th episode? Let's tell our listeners what they're in for. Yeah, we're doing something a little different for the 100th episode. We don't actually have a guest interview today. We're going to go back over some of our past interviews and we're going to listen to what people have to say about what the good dirt means to them. Because that's a question we've asked all of our guests, at least recently. We didn't do that the whole time. We kind of started that. I don't remember when we started it. But anyway, that's a question we've been asking our guests for quite a while now. And all the answers are so different and so insightful. And we just learn so much from what these people have to say about the good dirt. And so we wanted to go over some of that with our listeners. We wanted to review some of those things because they're just such wonderful ideas. Yeah, so what we've pulled together for you today is a medley yeah. of good dirt moments that we, it really means a lot to us going back and listening to them, and we hope that it will be meaningful for you as well. Yes, before we get into the medley, I thought it would be fun, Emma, if you and I asked each other some of the questions that we ask our guests on the Good Dirt Podcast. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, Emma, are there any aha moments that you have pertaining to the podcast? Lots of times our guests will talk about an aha moment or a turning point for them and getting them to where they are to the point where they're working in the sustainability or regenerative space. So is there an aha moment for you pertaining to this podcast where something shifted for you? Can you think of anything? I might have mentioned it earlier, and I don't know if it's one specific moment. I would like to try to think of one, but really it's more of the idea that I keep coming back to and the realization that in this journey of Lady Farmer, which we actually started as a slow fashion brand, we set out to create clothing, and here we are gabbing on a podcast <laughs> is now what we do. The aha for me has been really just like finding that this is what works and this is where our people are finding us and this is where we are finding real meaning and connection through conversations. And I find solace and hope and inspiration in a world that sometimes truly feels like it's crumbling all around us. It's a lot of work, as I've also mentioned a couple times here too, but it doesn't feel like this uphill battle that so much of being an entrepreneur and starting a business and doing something different and explaining what you're doing over and over to people who, who don't get what you're doing yet can be really exhausting. But that's not what this is with the podcast. The podcast has been sort of a resting place of like what we're doing has meaning and is resonating with people. I'm thinking of lots of little moments of people close to me, but also not as close to me, just telling me that they like listening to the podcast and telling me about the interview they listen to. And also the voicemails we get, which you can always call and leave a voicemail also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what about you, mom? What are, what are some of your, or do you have an aha moment? Well, just like you, I don't think it's a single moment. I think it's a series of moments or a realization, a, a, an unfolding realization, I will say, that the more interviews we do and the more we get into this, the more I realize how relevant it is. And I read articles and I listen to other podcasts and I read books and I realize we are having the same cutting edge conversations about really important topics, talking about the new paradigm, talking about how we can move forward. And it's just really exciting to me 
to be part of this process that's going on in our culture really yeah this shift I just feel very very honored to be a part of it and very honored to be able to talk to people who are also an active and essential part of what's going on the real changes the changes that are happening we're there retweet dude I hear that (laughs) yeah so that that's my aha moment what are some of your greatest challenges in this journey oh hands down the internet (laughs) yeah that's the internet Uh, struggles it is a struggle we were saying it earlier in this conversation rural internet and yeah to me if I had some great internet connection this would be a breeze I think Mm-hmm. because essentially it's fun. The conversations are fun. The recording is fun. It's just that when we have the obstacle of those technical challenges, it that's not so fun. So. Yeah. But we work our way through it, generally. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is our greatest challenge, Emma, or for you? For me, I'm just going to be super transparent and say that it's a lot of time and resources goes into producing this show. Done with love, done with joy. But... It is not sustainable forever to not have substantial sponsorship. That's true. And I don't know, you know, I mean, that's, it kind of feels awkward to say it out loud and talk about it out loud, but maybe we should. (laughs) Maybe we should, yeah. Yeah. So we are so supported by our membership community. That is so wonderful. We love all of you guys and appreciate you guys so much. That is part of it. Well, to your point. Yeah, we talk about sustainability all the time, so we need to make sure that the show itself is sustainable. Yeah. And we really need to keep working on that, and we really need to communicate to the listeners that you know, a lot of resources go into this. Yeah. We have, we have editing. We have graphics. We have... Our time. Our time. We have marketing, all these things. So we do have several avenues of support. Well, you can join the Almanac. We have the full membership, and then we also have the Good Dirt membership, which is sort of an abbreviated membership of the Almanac, which is basically you get access to the community, but you don't have access to all of the extra content that we're putting out. But it's just a means of support for us $5 a month and then the rest is $11 a month. So whatever way that you want to be involved and that you're able to is greatly appreciated. But no, seriously, I'm also putting this out there. We would love to work with sponsors. We'd love to work with companies and brands that we feel super aligned with. As you all know, we're very picky. So there's certain brands that I have in mind, but it's hard to get emails of people and it's hard to you know, find the right person at the right office and et cetera, et cetera. So just putting this out there for any listeners who might be interested or know someone at a company that might be aligned with the Good Dirt Podcast, we are all about brand partnerships and sponsorships, and that can really help ensure the health of the show moving forward. Yes, please. So if you're out there listening and you know of a company or you you are a company or you own a company and you believe in the good dirt and you believe in what we're talking about and what we're doing, then yeah. And that you understand that our listeners are the best people who need to know about your mission and your product. Yes. Because that's also true. It's like, come on. Well, we are lady farmers and we do believe in cross-pollination yeah a lot so it's win-win yeah for us to support each other in our work so all of you out there that have any any ideas on this please let us know so uh having said that emma what do you think are your greatest wins or joys in this podcast journey so far what do you think well for me 
having gone from day one doing literally every part of it from figuring out the tech the setup recording it editing it you know what I might be taking too much credit I think Mary our graphics person has helped with the graphics all along Mary did the graphics but besides that (laughs) I did every part of it and now The fact that I'm able to hand so much of that off and we have a wonderful editor. She's literally the best. And we just have such a great team of support. And you've taken on more, Mom. You really help a lot with the pre-recording stuff. Just sort of like figuring out our system. And I remember how long we've been doing this? Two and a half years. Yeah. So for about two years, our MO was like workflow, workflow. We got to figure out the workflow. What's the workflow? (laughs) And I sort of feel like it's been a while since we had that conversation which is nice. I think we've, we've kind of gotten it in a groove. Yeah, very recently, our Mary Ball became our project manager on this, and she yeah. keeps us on track and tells us what needs to happen when. Our Mary Ball. That was sweet. Our Mary Ball. <laughs> she does the graphics, and she keeps us on track for what needs to happen next with every episode. Yeah, and that is truly a joy. For me, it is truly a joy. I, get, I have so much fun working collaboratively on a team people doing what they're good at, everyone doing what they're good at. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. And we have Dorothy writing the show notes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dorothy. Yes. And we have Sarah working with the social captions, getting yeah. them up, telling us what the episodes are. Yeah, so great. What about you, Mom? What are some of your greatest wins and joys? Oh, I just enjoy the conversations so much. And it just every interview at the end, I think, gosh, that was great. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Or that was such a great conversation. I just feel that so often. And I I love meeting these people and hearing their stories and hearing how they are so heart and soul motivated by the same things we are. Mm-hmm. Making a difference. Creating a better world. Creating a world we can all live in better. So, yeah, the, the conversations. Mm-hmm. They're pretty good. I don't know if you've heard them, but they're pretty good. Yeah, they're really good. (laughs) And also, working with you is so much fun. I mean, who gets to sit down with all these people and have these great conversations with their daughter? So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. How has your idea of slow living evolved after all of these conversations? Well, you know what amazes me is like two years ago, just a few weeks after we started the podcast, we published The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living. Which was two weeks after the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, started exactly, and like the very first page of the Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living, we state, you know, sort of what slow living means for us, and basically, it's intentionality, it's living your life with purpose, it is paying attention to how you use your time and your resources, and so many people that we talk to, and we ask them, "What slow living mean to you?" They say the same thing. So. I just love how people get it or people get it in the same way we get it. And people understand that we're not talking about speed or we're, we're not talking about how busy you are or how many things you have to do in a day. It's not about that. It's about how your life feels to you, hmm. how what you are doing day to day nurtures you, how it inspires you, how it makes you want to keep moving forward. So I really love how so many of the people we talk to are on the same page with that. But how has my idea of slow living evolved after all of these conversations? I would say that 
I think more than ever, I realize that it is a long process and it's kind of like peeling an onion and you address one aspect of your life in a way that you want to be more intentional, be more purposeful, say slow down and you address that and then it reveals another and another and another. So it is certainly a process, certainly a probably a lifelong thing. It's not something that you're going to wake up and say, hey, I'm living slowly now. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're going to just keep peeling it away, keep yeah. working on it. And I don't know if there's ever really any end point. Are you ever really there? Yeah. But it's real. It's a beautiful journey. And I love it. And I love going deeper and deeper into it myself. And I think years down the road from when we first started Lady Farmer, I am much deeper into it than I was because I've been thinking about it and talking about it and living it to the best of my ability for all these years. So, yeah. Yeah. So what about you? How has your idea of slow living evolved after all these conversations? Well, I have a pretty specific answer that, you know, we can call it evolving or we can call it I'm literally reading this book right now. Okay. (laughs) That is just... Mind-blowing. I posted about it in the Almanac. So it's called 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. Okay. And, you know, I'm just in the beginning pages of this book. And as you were saying, we understand these things, but he's also opening things up for me in ways that I haven't thought about them. So in the opening of this book, he talks about how the human's relationship with time is a relatively new thing. The way that we think about time right now is super specific and tied yeah. to industrialization and clocks and everything, right? That's like historical fact kind of thing. And he takes us into the mind of a peasant farmer who, while, as he states almost humorously, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we're very happy we're not peasant farmers. We don't wish we were peasant farmers just because of the other things that came along with that life. But they lived in such a pastoral Mm-hmm. life that was the gardening will never be done because that's what you do is you garden mm-hmm. when it's harvest time it's harvest time and there will be harvest time again yeah cyclical right so i'm just going to read a quick passage living this way one can imagine that experience would have felt expansive and fluid suffused with something it might not be an exaggeration to call a kind of magic Notwithstanding the many real privations of his existence, our peasant farmer might have sensed a luminous, awe-inspiring dimension to the world around him. Untroubled by any notion of time ticking away, he might have experienced a heightened awareness of the vividness of things, the feeling of timelessness that Richard Rohr, a contemporary Franciscan priest and author, calls living in deep time. At dusk, the medieval country dweller might have sensed spirits whispering in the forest, Along with the bears and wolves plowing the fields, he might have felt himself one tiny part of a vast sweep of history in which his distant ancestors were almost as alive to him as his own children. We can assert all this with some confidence because we still occasionally encounter islands of deep time today. In those moments when, to quote the writer Gary Eberly, we slip into a realm where there is enough of everything, where we are not trying to fill a void in ourselves or the world. The boundary separating the self from the rest of reality grows blurry, and time stands still. The clock does not stop, of course, Eberly writes, but we do not hear it ticking. I really love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. So that idea of deep time and the time not stopping, but we don't hear the clock ticking, Mm. that 
is what I think today or what I'm currently thinking of when I think of slow living. That reminds me so much of the interview we just did with Claire Dunn. Yes. It won't be up for a few weeks, but just to give you a little preview, she had a one-year nature immersion. Mm Mm-hmm. And so she she was away from all technology, screens, clocks. She just lived in nature for a year. And we kind of called it like the ultimate slow living. That's what that reminds me of. And then one more little slow living share while we're on the subject. I also recently was reminded of the very famous Mary Oliver poem that's quoted all the time up and down. Tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Yes. And I don't know if this is your experience, but in my experience, that quote specifically is taken out of context a lot and Mm -hmm. used kind of as motivation. Like, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Like, oh my gosh, what are you going to do with it? Like, what? Follow your dreams. Running out of time. Right. What crazy? Well, not necessarily, but what big things are you going to accomplish? That's Mm -hmm. how I think of it. I don't know. Do you think of running out of time when you hear that? Kind of, yeah. So... I went back and read the poem, and I'm sharing it right now because it's called The Summer Day. Ah. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes, Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? So I reread that and I was like, oh, she's not talking about what crazy things are you going to do? She's talking about slow living. Yeah. She's talking about just laying down in the grass. It, yeah. It doesn't sound like she's talking about accomplishments. Right. <laughs> she's talking about being. Yeah. Being a person. That's amazing. So cool. Okay. So thank you, Emma. You're thank so you welcome. Thank you for sharing those those things. Yeah, it's wonderful. So I think this is a great time to segue into our medley of selections from past episodes where our guests answer the question, what does the good dirt mean to them? Great. Yeah. Let's do it. So what we'll do is just we'll play a bunch of them and you can see in the show notes who they are and what their episode is which you will, of course, want to go back and listen to the episodes because they're all just great. And then after that, we'll come back and we will answer that question for ourselves. Yeah. And so here we go. We ask our guests, what does the good dirt mean to you? It's exactly what it is. It's pretty simple. It's just good dirt. And then guess what? Good dirt grows good food. Good dirt grows good fiber. Good dirt grows good humans. The earth's health is our health. It's a direct reflection. I love metaphors. So thank you for the question. I'm thinking about this in two ways. The way I often think is there's sort of the really micro granular level and then there's the large level. So on a micro level, 
I'm thinking about good dirt as what are the conditions that you need? What are those ideal conditions? Who are you surrounding yourself with? And then I also think that really the good dirt means acknowledging that you are the good dirt and there's no good dirt outside of you. You have everything you need to make what you were born to make. And we often think like, I need the secret or I need this mentor or I need this money. You need the money to make the thing sometimes. But actually, I mean, you two talk about it so much. It's like you're standing on the thing that you need. Like the dirt is you. So you have what you need. And then when I look at it collectively, I think, how are we making good dirt for the voices that have not been represented and allowed to flourish now get to sing and shine Mm. and be the stories and the voices that shape our future. And I think we can think about that in classrooms and in boardrooms and in any community that we're in. How am I making good dirt for the voices that matter the most right now and the voices that we haven't been hearing from for hundreds of years? I would say it would be a soil rich with microorganisms and fungal networks. Just a place of incredible fertility where so many different expressions of beauty can come from that. So it's it's about diversity, ultimately, because below ground diversity creates above ground diversity, above ground diversity enhances below ground diversity, and the good dirt is the medium and the exchange between below and above. And I think the good dirt to me is, yeah, just a panoply of ecological relationships between things. Nourish the good dirt. <laughs> That's Yeah. <laughs> I spend a lot of my time doing, actually. I mean, good dirt is everything, right? So I would say that if you were to talk about it in a metaphorical sense, I would say that good dirt is basically, you know, if you were to monetize it, it would be the equivalent of having a full bank account. It would be like realizing all your dreams. If you had good dirt, it's like everything that you could ever dreamed of you have. And and in our context, I can relate that, I guess, directly to what we have at Limbrek here. So in terms of our farming business, if we have good dirt or if we have good soil, that's what grows our crops, you know, which is grass and trees. And and that's what our animals eat. And that's what keeps them healthy. So really, it's the kind of the foundations of everything that we have here. Good dirt is also to us, it's about what provides us with our food. So it's what, you know, it's what feeds our kitchen garden. It's what grows our vegetables. It's what, you know, feeds us the vast majority of the year. So it gives us our food. So it gives us our business and it gives us our food. I think good dirt as well, it gives us clean air, doesn't it? Because Mm -hmm. you've got these really kind of good plants that are growing in this great dirt and they're photosynthesizing and they're kind of drawing in carbon dioxide they're pumping out oxygen so it's giving us really good air and it's also giving us clean water as well because you know all of our water here in the croft comes from a well that's all been filtered through you know through really really healthy soil so to say that it's anything less than everything is underestimating everything that it is which is basically what we have that gives us life good dirt to me i love to get outside barefoot and i love the the sponginess of deep, real soil. I love walking through a forest and and where the leaves and the sticks and the needles have been breaking down for years. And you can feel that that depth and that sponginess. And you know, there's a there's a microrhizome <laughs> in there. You know, there's a network of life that's working, that's storing carbon, that's creating the oxygen that we breathe. That's the good dirt. 
There's obviously the idea that dirt is actually good for you. I think I read and I wrote it in my book that one shovel full of rich organic dirt has more biodiversity than the entire Amazon rainforest. Yeah. So dirt is this incredible ecosystem that's living and it's alive and we don't even think about it because it's below our feet. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And, you know, there's all that research that's come out over the past decade about how children who play outside and play in the dirt have a higher likelihood of having stronger immune systems, less likelihood of having allergies and asthma. But for me, I mean, that's like too scientific. So when I think about dirt, and the reason why I garden is mostly for mental, emotional, I guess, even spiritual reasons, I think about When I'm in my kitchen in the summer and both of my kids are home and my dog's running around like crazy (laughs) and I'm feeling cagey, all I have to do is step out my back door and I'm in my garden and I just putz around and sometimes literally and digging in the dirt. And when I am, I feel so peaceful and calm and I feel like my true self, I can kind of let the stress of being in a house with a lot of people evaporate. And I feel like... Not to be too metaphysical, but like, I feel like I'm connected to something bigger and better than myself. And I always like myself better in the garden. So Mm -hmm. I think like the dirt is good in more ways than just being like really biodiverse and being good for our immune systems. It's also very good for us emotionally, spiritually, mentally. It's just all around good for you just to be out there getting dirty. I love that question. And I was really thinking a lot about what my answer would be. I guess two things, you know, one, I think about the parable of the good soil. If you've ever heard of that, obviously we all have different challenges in life, but it's like some soil produced a little bit, some soil produced nothing. It's like the seed went on the soil and different things happened. Sometimes it got swallowed up by thorns. Sometimes it got stolen, but it was like some of the soil produced tenfold, 30, 30 fold, 60 fold. And so I think the idea of good dirt is this idea of like, what are you going to do with the seeds that you have? Right. And obviously we also all have the challenges that can counteract the life of those seeds. But everyone has some good seeds that have been cast your way. I think the other thing I would say about what is good dirt is good dirt really is community. Like what we were talking about earlier, the microbial community, you know, it's becoming more clear with science that you can't create fake fertility. You can't just leverage technology to make plants grow better eventually you find the limits to those means. The soil is a community of communities. And when you understand that it is a community of communities, the idea of good dirt or good soil really is our ability to cultivate that sort of invisible world. The goal is to cultivate something that is underground, something that is living and thriving and We may not understand it, but that thing that is almost unseen is what is giving us life. Good dirt is just really alive in recognizing that the interface of where trees meet humans, meet insects, meet the medium that's holding on to all of these things, like they're all so connected. And so good dirt to me is like, it not only starts life, but it it creates life. And so it's ever going. It's something that no matter how many layers we keep peeling back, we'll never know the full extent 
of all the relationships that are just mangling around in the dirt. I think of the good dirt as kind of like what we've been saying. All of this knowledge, generational being added together is similar to compost and creating good soil, nutrient-rich for things and for life to grow out of and be nourished by. And so in regards to this podcast, I think of the good dirt as like all of the minds that you're melding together, you're bringing together and the Mm -hmm. inspirations that all kind of combine and make this this wonderful, rich, good dirt that's going to feed us and inspire us to go forward. I mean, it really, really does inspire me. When I taught gardening classes, I would always tell people, you know, fundamentally, if you raise good soil, you're going to raise good gardens. And, you know, it's basically doing the work up front, setting the stage and building a solid foundation Mm -hmm. for your garden. And maybe that's a a metaphor for life, right? I love that phrase, the good dirt. And I mean, the first concrete thing that it means to me is the example of our garden, that the guanaco poo makes the best dirt and it's right there and it grows the best food. So literally it's the fertilizer, it's the good dirt that's fertilized by animals that are close by that you don't have to truck in chemicals or anything like that. But sort of on a more, I don't know, psychological level, I think what I would say is what I was talking about before, where if the good dirt is when we use experiences in our lives to understand ourselves better and to understand lives better. And so it's sort of like dirt as gossip, you know, give me some good dirt on that person. Well, if we have good dirt on ourselves, if we take our experiences and reflect and understand how that has affected us and what that means for us and what that means for others and relationships and all that kind of stuff, then it's really good dirt. It's used. Our experiences are used and rather than just had, and then they've flown by and we're on to the next. So yeah. I think for me, when I think about good dirt, it takes me back to childhood and it makes me think of my boys and how we have become so protective of children and the way of living. And I think even more so with the pandemic, with all the hand washing, which I totally understand, by the way, but (laughs) I think there's nothing wrong with being outside and just whether you're digging in the soil or my kids are playing on the beach and digging in the sand or I'm swimming in the sea and I don't have a shower immediately after I come back like just being in natural elements oh I went to the woods the other day with the dogs and there was these the whole floor was carpeted in bluebells and moss Mm -hmm. and the smell that was coming up you know that woodland smell yeah that for me is like good dirt I would have to think the cultivating of great relationships and conversation. And this is really important stuff because it's about everyone's life and place we live and we all share. We all need to uh, be a little more conscious of things moving forward and in any way possible. So I'm so glad you guys are here and being a part of spreading the the good word through the good dirt. Yeah. 
you know, when you have those days where you're out, you are physically working, maybe it's in the garden, we have a wood burning fire stove. So in the summertime, we're getting the wood split and stacked and dried for winter. But you come to the Mm -hmm. end of the day and like, you are dirty. I mean, your clothes are dirty, you've sweated, there's dirt under your fingernails. But it's that good dirt feeling. You're like, man, I am filthy, but look what I did. And I'm tired, but it feels so good. It's that satisfaction. Yeah, that, that is, that's good dirt. <laughs> good dirt. I think when I think of good dirt, I think of, well, you know, we were just talking about Dr. Zach Bush and mm. I've actually interviewed him oh. on my show before. And he talks about the connection of the good dirt, the good soil mm-hmm. and the connection to our own personal microbiome. Yeah. And how the earth is just like a representation of what we're going through on a whole in a a collective level. And I think when we heal the soil, like through regenerative agriculture and holistic grazing and diverse farming and all of these things, then maybe we can start to heal ourselves. I kind of, in thinking about it, ended up on a different path, which really was thinking more about the good dirt being sort of the energy that surrounds us in these exchanges, like even us three prioritizing and making the time to sit here and have this conversation and trust that there are people out there who value it enough to support us in what we do and want to see this exist. And just kind of like that leap of faith into the unknown and almost visualizing the good dirt of those actions and those beliefs, like surrounding us, like an aura, you know, and like the richness and complexity of those relationships as they ripple out the things that we do and put into motion because we believe in good dirt. I'd like to just say one, one last thing in parting. I love this podcast. So I, I, I just want to thank you for, for doing so much to create and expand community, to bring people together and then provide places, whether it's virtual through a podcast or physical where people can come, where they can open their minds, where they can get a moment to breathe and step back, where they can rejuvenate themselves and then go back into the world, fully juiced up, inspired, ready to take it on and to bring about change. Just thank you for what you do. And thank you for being friends. And thank you for having me on. <laughs> thank you so much. We're just here. wipe our eyes over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> thank you, Tony. <laughs> okay. So should well. we like sign off? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that was a great ending. Oh, Paul, thank you so we... much. Um, we'll include that every week. <laughs> yeah. So now I want to ask you, Emma, what does the good dirt mean to you after a hundred interviews and a hundred conversations about it? To me, the good dirt is basically just our shared experiences, the stuff that we all experience, that we grow up in, we have roots in, we need to nurture. Sometimes we get plucked out of it and planted in another part of the good dirt and I just, I feel that with all the guests that we have on, I feel that with our lady farmer community and just in my greater life outside of lady farmer world, that the good dirt is what we all share together. Thank you. That's beautiful. You're welcome. (laughs) What does the good dirt mean to you, mom? The good dirt means to me, 
all of these great ideas and all these minds and all these people living their lives and working these things out and working towards something better. And we have the great privilege of talking to people about this every week. And it's just so rich and so diverse. And there's so many different elements to it, just like in the dirt, all the different microbes and bacteria and all the different life forms. We have all that in our Good Dirt conversations too. And all together, it makes just such a rich, wonderful compost from which we can grow a really better future and that to me is the good dirt and that to me is the good dirt podcast and it makes me very hopeful and happy heck yeah yeah write us at productions at ladyfarmer.com if you want to sponsor just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no not kidding not kidding (laughs) thank you so much everyone for tuning in today this is a fun one if you're a new listener welcome you just gotta you just got it you're full Feel free to go back and listen to any of our previous 99 episodes and feel free to stay tuned every Friday. We come at you with new interviews. We are Lady Farmer on Instagram. That's literally we are Lady Farmer, all one word, on Instagram, ladyfarmer.com, on the internet. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. So thank you everybody for tuning in to our 100th episode and... Hope to have you back for more. Thank you for tuning in to the Good Dirt Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll share it with a friend to spread the good dirt. This show is produced by Lady Farmer, a slow-living lifestyle community. And the original music is composed and performed by John Kingsley. For more from Lady Farmer, follow us on Instagram at WeAreLadyFarmer. That's We Are Lady Farmer. Or join us online at www.ladyfarmer.com. We'll see you next time on The Good Dirt. Goodbye.